0: back, welcome to episode 2 of Love's Labour, Watch. Uh, how are you guys? Good? We're good? Yeah, so it's been a
1: pretty busy week in mm. terms of pop culture. Mm. Uh, we just, like, interrupted our incredibly intense conversation about Stranger Things to record this podcast. <laughs> yes, um, so we've been loving that. Yeah, Stranger Things series 2 came out. Um, to give you guys a bit more time to watch it, because I know not everybody is as obsessed with binging as we are, um, <laughs> we're going to probably do an episode about that next week um so you have that to look forward to
0: yeah definitely um also uh one of our fr- very good publishing friends sent us some copies of a book they're reissuing a series of books actually the Limned chronicles which um she described to us as like a pole dark in like the 15th like, century Paul dark
1: meets outlander i think so yeah. like, apparently it's been commissioned as a tv series by the creators of
0: Paul So luck out for that one, and yeah. we're going to be well. We both have copies of it now, so we're we'll yeah, reading that. So we're that. definitely going to read it. So. so that's on our agenda. And yeah, if you had a, You have a good well. Happy Halloween to everyone. Happy November. Um, we didn't do much for Halloween.
1: Yeah, neither of us are really big scary movie people. Oh no, um, at all. I feel like Stranger Things is probably like
0: about as scary as I can I know, get. My my friend, right? So she says, "Oh Hannah, you should go and see it." You know, like it's basically the same as Stranger Things, and I'm like, no. Uh, even that will give me nightmares. Oh, yeah. I can't do horror films no, in any when sense. When I was
1: reading reviews of it, I was like, well, I do really enjoy the sort of 80s, uh, like, i And Finn
0: Hard's in it, who I yeah, love. Yeah,
1: he was great. So I kind
0: of considered it and then I was like, wait, Mm-mm. but there's a terrifying clown, so no. My dad, was. I mean, like, I get it. Some people love horror films and the adrenaline rush it gives you. For me, I will literally not sleep. I will have nightmares. Yeah. And I know this. And my friends are like, you'll be with us, It'll be fine. Like, you will leave eventually and I will be on my own in my room in the dark. No. Sort of
1: yeah. Happening. So, so no. Like, we, yeah. yeah.
0: So, we've had relatively, uh, you know, October's done. That's kind yeah. of what our weeks were all about. Um, And essentially, what we're going to start with this week is a play. It's our first play we've ever recorded a yeah, podcast it is, about. It it's Venus in Fur. So, we essentially saw adverts for this on the tube, didn't we?
1: We did, yeah. We, we kept seeing them. And it stars, so it's a two hander between two actors. And the two actors playing these roles are. Natalie Dormer of Game of Thrones fame, who was also in The Hunger Games, The Borgias. Um, No, that's David the Oh, sorry, getting them mixed up. The Tudors, yeah. And she's,
0: yeah, The Tudors. And she's also in Elementary, the American version of Sherlock Holmes that has...
1: Johnny... Lucy Liu in it. Yeah. Who
0: is as Watson, who's awesome. And also David Oakes, who is lesser known, definitely. He's in The Borgias. He's also in ITV's Victoria at the minute as Alfred's brother. He did a little German accent at one point during the show and I was like, Ah, oh, there it uh,
1: is. And um, so we actually had seen a play with David Oakes in before. Oh, yeah, um, actually, which, haven't we had actually have not Yeah, and I followed him on Twitter. From that, like, because oh. that was like several years ago, and we went to see Shakespeare the, in Love. Yeah, the musical version of Shakespeare in Love, which was on London. They in had like London. sex
0: on the stage in like a covered bed, didn't they? <sighs> I just don't remember that, though. Like... And there was someone, I, I, we really wanted to watch Tom Bateman, but I can't for the life of me remember why. Yeah, he was in he something. He yeah, was in and, something at the um, time. Um,
1: David Oakes played Christopher Marlowe and he kind of played it that he was sort of feeding Shakespeare the lines which I really enjoyed because I'm a big Marlowe fan. Yeah. So so yeah, we, we were basically enticed to see Venus in there pretty much purely based on the actors. Because um, we
0: love, I mean, I, who doesn't love Natalie Dormer? She's, such a great actress and i love david oakes so. yeah
1: so that was really why and also we just we're very lucky to live in london and have this sort of pro- close proximity to these great theater productions mm, yeah. and cheap tickets so. speaking of we got these really cheap tickets <laughs> they were 15 pounds and i balcony, recommend everybody you know. you know trying to get those tickets um we went on a monday uh because they had the best availability for
0: these 15 pound tickets
1: and then when well, best we arrived, availability,
0: they literally meant no one was there. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, when we arrived, our tickets got upgraded, and we were given the best seats in the house.
0: And row K in the stalls. Yeah. Which was really, I mean, obviously, you know, where you sit in the theatre does not impact your enjoyment of the play that much. I've seen Wicked from literally, like, the corner of the stalls where you can only see half the stage. But it was a nice thing. It was a bit of a boon. It was. I that. It,
1: and I think... Um we're both big fans of musicals and I always find that if you're further back in a theatre in a musical, It does reduce the impact, it, yeah. Yeah, but I think it matters a bit less than a play because mm. in a play you want to see more of like the, the uh, you know, the facial Staging, all that kind of stuff. We
0: also both have bad eyesight so I feel like we yeah. being, <laughs> being far away from the stage the is stage. not good. So it was all set up to be very well and obviously we went into it not knowing very much. So, to spare you guys the impact of that, well, first off, if you really want to go see Venus and Ferb and you don't want to know what happens in it, don't read the reviews, first off, and don't listen to this.
1: Yeah, but we will preface this by saying that, so this is going to be a spoiler-filled review. Yeah. However, I neither of us really think it would really matter if you knew what was going to happen. In fact, if anything, I would almost say it might make you enjoy it more. Because
0: th- yeah. I can definitely see some people going into that thinking it was something that it wasn't yeah. and then hating it. My parents, for example, they would have paid for that show. Yeah, so anyway, <laughs> so if, <laughs> if you
1: don't want to listen anymore and you want to skip forward, perhaps, I don't know half an hour or so until when we're going to talk about, like, our other, like, favourites of the week, then do that. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: if not, like... Here we go. We're going
1: to give you a little, uh, synopsis. Yeah.
0: So essentially, Venus and Fur is a play written by David Ives. He hasn't really written much else, we've found. I think
1: he's, apparently he's well known for his single-act comedic plays, is what Wikipedia said. Yeah. Which is interesting, because we're going to come to whether we think this play was comedic or not,
0: but... Yeah, but it was a one-act play.
1: It was one-act, And yeah. it's
0: based in part, on a book called Venus and Furs from 1870 by Leopold von sacher Masoch. Sorry any Germans out there who have said it wrong. But essentially, he is the inventor? Well, the namesake. The namesake of sadomasochism. So the whole book essentially is um, the reason that sadomasochism kind of, it's kind of exploring the themes of sadomasochism, like domination and submission and relationships between men and women and that kind of thing. So... Essentially, in the play, the write, there's a writer called who is David Oakes' character. Yeah, he's called, called Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, who is essentially adapting this book as a play, in you know timeless 21st century New York. Yeah, I like, it
1: seemed to be modern day.
0: And yeah. Natalie Dormer comes in and plays an actress coming to audition for the play, and they sort of half the play they are reading out the lines from Thomas' writing and acting it out and auditioning, and then mm. it becomes more and more involved until you realise they're doing it. For their own enjoyment.
1: Yeah, they start to kind of improvise. And um, he says he's not an actor, but she persuades him to act the part. They sort of switch roles, and she keeps in, but she brings a whole bag full of props and costumes. And, and is she, able
0: to meet the needs of the play. Patch. Uh, she, Pat. she seems
1: as though she, so when she comes in, she seems like she doesn't know what she's doing. She has no real interest in the play, but actually, she when you, it soon unfurls that she knows everything about the play and she's really knowledgeable and really clever. And, and he and, can't
0: work out. He keeps trying to ask her why, and she keeps sort of skittering like away, fading the question. So yeah. it's sort of a mixture of this play. It's kind of a play within a play in that the the reality events between the character of Thomas and the character of Vonda kind of mirror the play itself in that increasingly it becomes about more than just acting something out. It becomes very serious and then they switch power roles as the characters in the play switch power roles. And overall, essentially this, this play is about... Um, a situation in which a man asks a woman to be- dominate him and to make her him her slave. And then she does that, and then event- he can't handle the position of being dominated, and then he puts her in a position where it switches around, and then she ends up humiliating him at the end of the play. And it's kind of all about this idea that he was tempted by a woman, and then he kind of tried to make her in something that he wants her to be, and then blames her for all that goes wrong.
1: Yeah, so... I hope this hasn't been too confusing when I was trying to describe it because it is essentially a play within a play. And there's lots of different levels. And there are different levels. But all you really need to understand is that there are complicated power dynamics and it's really about a woman kind of demonstrating to a man how he might be kind of almost like subconsciously sexist Mm. and subconsciously um, benefiting from the sort of inbuilt society's power dynamics. yeah
0: because the whole thing is he you know he she says often throughout the show this is misogynist this isn't very feminist at all and he goes no, that's not the point it's not the point it's not the point point. and it turns out that actually it is the you know the whole crux of the play is actually to satisfy his desires to dominate and to be dominated and she like reveals that and it turns out she has this whole other agenda this actress yeah because like in the in the book that the play is based on... The play within a play. (laughs) There is a scene which Venus, the actual goddess Venus, hence Venus in fur, turns up and tries to like schmooze and tempt the the main protagonist, man. And then she vows revenge for him rejecting her. And the whole idea is that the woman who turns up next day to torture Thomas or to torture the character in the play is actually Venus herself. Toying with him and humiliating him. And it ends with Natalie Dormer very dramatically revealing this about herself. And maybe she's crazy. Maybe she actually is Venus. as you don't really know. Yeah, you don't
1: really know. All you know is that she has played him and she's played him, you know, right into her hand. And that is the play's ending. Yeah. There's a lot of pathetic fallacy with dramatic... And the rumbling of the rumbling thunder. rumbling of the thunder, yeah. And it's set in this kind of New York apartment. Um... So yeah, that's kind, of, that's kind of where it is at. If, if you feel as though we haven't explained that very well, i sort of am conscious that I feel like it's difficult to actually explain the
0: plot. We would recommend going and looking it up. Yeah,
1: and also I would say that the plot is kind of not particularly relevant. It's really like the character and, the and the power dynamics and yeah. the themes, and that's what drives the play forward. So,
0: and one of the interesting things, I think, about the play is the, kind of the way that the power dynamics work. Because obviously you start off with Natalie Dormer coming in; she's wearing like a skimpy outfit because that's meant to be what she thinks is appropriate for, for the, play, to, for the yeah. play and the characters. And then they start acting it out, and you know she plays the woman character and Thomas plays the man, and she draws him in, and then it becomes very obvious from the get go that the woman is kind of an unwilling player in the show, and then she starts sort of holding back, and then David Oakes' character starts trying to pull her in and to make her do it more and. Then very suddenly, the kind of power switches and, it, and the, rea- the reality of the show doesn't mirror the play anymore because you, you realise that Natalie Dormer's been in control the entire time. Which I thought was an interesting comparison because she, the whole point is she's meant to be showing up, this playwright for what he is, a misogynist, who's trying to dominate women and to use the play to kind of pursue an agenda of doing that. Yeah. And then when she's been in control the whole time, it's actually like... Because we read some reviews and they didn't think it was as sort of like compelling or as masterful as maybe... I did, but... And maybe it was more Natalie being able to play that, but she takes control and it, realizes she's been in in control the whole time and she controls her own image. Which I just thought was a really interesting idea, particularly given the fact that she's wearing a skimpy outfit. And...
1: Yeah, because a lot of the reviews concentrated on her outfit and it was interesting because... So yeah, Helen and I really enjoyed this play, and, but I think we were also very surprised by it. Um, so it was one of those, again, as we said earlier, we didn't know what to expect. Um, a lot of the reviews said that the kind of feminist... Um, female-powered sort of themes were lost by the fact diluted, that she's yeah. wearing this. She's wearing this sort of black leather corset. But I don't know if this is partly because we are heterosexual, heterosexual women, so, you know, obviously we were like, wow, she looks great, but we weren't distracted by it, perhaps, as maybe the male reviewer was. I, I'm not saying that's what happened. That could but be, yeah. I don't know if that was part of it, or they felt uncomfortable. Hmm. But for me, it didn't really bother me watching it. I just kind of felt like it was in fitting with the character in almost the way she's actually trying to kind of play with the actor as mm. it will play with the director, I mean, um, David Oakes's character, by kind of tempting him to sort of see her in this certain way as this, like, She's hiding sexual, behind it. Yeah. And if she is
0: Ven again, I, I would point out also that people made the fuss about the... what I thought was quite a strong kind of feminist dint to the play. You know, she takes control of how she's being portrayed and punishes and humiliates him. And, you know, again, you could maybe see the fact that she's come down to be vengeful and, you know, she is a typical woman, you know, hell hath no woman, hell hath no fear like a woman scorned. But I kind of chose to see it the other way, that she's doing it deliberately and the outfit she's wearing is what I imagine Venus would wear as a goddess.
1: And as a modern day goddess, I suppose. I mean... Yeah, I mean, it was a revealing outfit, but it was not by any means the most revealing outfit I've seen on a stage. I've seen, you've seen Sienna Miller naked on a yeah, stage. Yeah, she could have been naked or there could have been a lot of gratuitous nudity, nudity and there isn't. So yeah, I think I can, I can really understand why viewers had a problem with it. And you know, maybe for Natalie Dormer, like having to dress like that every day, perhaps that's not something she's enjoying. I have no idea. But I don't think that we can put those words in her mouth or, um, you know, doubt that, there wasn't a reason behind it I mean we were thinking about it afterwards and saying there's perhaps a similarity to Wonder Woman and her costume which we discussed a bit in that mm. in that episode um, in that it's like she wants to wear it and she's wearing it to feel, give herself a degree of power perhaps that's the case with this
0: character I mean it's and possible people I don't think could see people just couldn't see past the very obvious which is that she's wearing a skimpy outfit and I think actually you're kind of the problem if you can't Go re- you can reduce an actress's performance of the, or a, a female character's uh, role in a play to literally where she literally turns the tables on him and takes all the power away and leaves him like trussed up against a pole while he's screaming like <laughs> Hail Aphrodite! That is like, how it ends. Yeah, like, yeah like if you can't she, they, they can't remove her outfit from that then I think you're missing the point
1: point. and there's a lot in the play about disguise and kind of
0: tricking yeah, yeah. and
1: disfigurement and like kind of yeah hiding your true self
0: and even because even the audience like we're tricked from start to finish yeah
1: so I kind of felt to me that the costume was part of that um But I can also see why people might, yeah, why people might have a problem with it. However, as we said, we don't want it to detract from Natalie Dormer's fantastic performance. I think it's worth us taking a minute to discuss the Mm. performances by both actors. Yeah, because
0: I think, I do get people thought it was a bit heavy-handed, the play. Like, it is very kind of, like, you know, domination. It's not not very subtle. That's very true. And, but I think what could have been quite a heavy-handed, slightly obvious play Was really given nuance by the characters. I mean, Natalie Dormer was playing somebody who was completely. She was playing an actress who was pretending to be an actress, who also had a whole idea of motive. I mean, like she was playing the character like someone who knew she was playing a character. Yeah. And she had. She came in with this ridiculous Brooklyn. No, ridiculous Brooklyn accent. New York York accent. accent. And it was a bit like over the top. And I was like, what's going on here? And then she switched as soon as she started playing the role of she just, just auditioning into this beautiful British accent that is her own one mm-hmm. and completely changed and there was such a sense of control in that and then there was a lot of like joking and a lot of like pointed asides and I never felt that Natalie Dobbins not have control of the character the whole way through and I think that's maybe what helped me to sort of think of the play as a you know as a sort of like a tricker of a man rather than a Uh, a kind of derogatory towards a a derogation of women and being and and in wanting to humiliate men i feel like she had such control it felt very intelligent to me and actually gave a lot of nuance to the character of onda and kind of maybe maybe see it in the way that i actually liked it because i could have very easily been like oh this is just such a stupid play and she's wearing no outfit yeah yeah it's basically like wholly anti-feminist which you could have thought that i think if Natalie donald wasn't doing the character i agree
1: and i think also yeah david oakes he very much takes a back seat some of the reviewers were like oh he's he's not very interesting you know he wasn't Mm. dynamic enough but actually i think that to me that really worked and you know when when the two of them were on stage your eye was always drawn to her like her facial expression how is she reacting what is she doing at that minute she's such she's like
0: so energetic yeah she
1: had this charisma about her on stage which was yeah it was very eye-catching and I think that worked in that he was playing second fiddle in the way that his character ends up playing second fiddle to this very remarkable woman yeah, and he's
0: in thrall like the whole point that works again is that he's whole she comes down if she's Venus or whatever to punish him to basically put him in complete thrall and to take all his power away and to make him do whatever she wants. And it becomes a it becomes a, a different it diverges from the play that they're acting out because obviously at the end of that play the whole point is that the woman character ends up asking to be dominated and gets dominated by the man uh, and the other way around she switches their characters and has him both dominated and her continue to dominate him and I think the fact that he plays it in such a way that there's no sense of him being aware of what's happening to him. And him being taken over by his desires, and I, I call it like the again playing the boyfriend, like uh, like allowing a woman to take that power and control and to lead you around the stage, yeah, and that's to kind be of the what, main
1: character, and like. that's
0: what David Oakes does. I think I always thought he was a very like intelligent actor, like in he always plays quite tortured, second fiddly characters, like in Victoria, he's the kind of thoughtful, emotional, intelligent brother of Albert, who falls in love with someone inappropriate and spends most of his time wandering around giving very like soulful advice. And he has a real like emotional sort of softness to him. That was also the same in the Borgias as well, which kind of led him to madness as well. I think he's he's quite good at playing quite like emotionally open characters. That comes out well when he's doing this guy, because obviously this guy you need to see his motivations and you need to see how Thomas is like his true self being drawn out, yeah and he, he's good at showing that while she is really great at hiding absolutely everything because she tricks you until the very end
1: yeah, and another element of that so we said we talked about her accent, um so he also, when he's auditioning as it were, like playing this character with the play within a play, uses his natural English accent, yeah. And it's quite interesting because, obviously, as an audience, if you're familiar with one or both of these actors, you know they're English, and then they're playing these American characters, and then they switch into their English slightly,
0: slightly silly accents. Yeah,
1: so it kind of adds this, this meta-textual element to it from the beginning. And, again, like, lulls you into these different senses of... Well, different false senses of security. Or what's or, real and yeah, what's, what's not. Yeah, what's real. Yeah, because you know, you know... And I think that's actually why it was quite interesting casting certainly a star in, in the case of natalie dormer perhaps even two stars if you thought that david Oakes was yes, famous I love enough you, david. yeah like um so it, it, it kind of means that she is this you you think you know things about her from her, her other roles she's played which i think i mean we were just discussing briefly earlier about um the pros and cons of casting a big name in a production and we've both seen i've been fortunate to see plays which have Big names in it, mm. and I think it can be successful, and it can not be, and it can also detract from your enjoyment if the audience. I mean, I very much disagree with the idea that anyone who's a fan of like Benedict Cumberbatch or Martin Freeman or whoever else goes to see a play like can't control themselves. Like, I think
0: that's quite like a
1: it's quite an irritating, like kind of because media you're narrative. there to see,
0: you're there to be tricked into the play, or well, not there to. You know, if you want to see an actor, go to a QA. and a No, you know? but like,
1: I, yeah, I think it's. I think it can be like a media narrative where they try and make out that fans go and see things and then can't control themselves. And I think that's like a bit unfair because you can be a fan of an actor and you can also be a fan of like theatre. Mm. Um, but on the other hand, it is true that sometimes you go and see something and we were talking about when people like clap when the actor comes on or like that kind of thing, which didn't happen in this play. Um, but one thing that did happen that we were discussing and Helena mentioned was that people... Laughed at like pretty much everything.
0: And it kind of, at the beginning, this play is quite, it's, I think we did get an 80s vibe from it, you know, I think it's very pintoresque and that it just, you have no idea where it's going the whole time. So that's one thing about it that you kind of, you you get a bit lost in it, but is the fact that like, it started off like amusing and comedic and that's the point. I think the author wanted you to, or the the playwright wanted to trick you into thinking that this was going to be a funny play about power dynamics and this funny woman who comes in and then it starts getting dark. And it starts getting very, like, they start bringing out these themes of domination and Natalie Dormer's character starts questioning everything and it gets more violent and visceral. Mm -hmm. And people kept, and Natalie Dormer has great comedic timing and I don't doubt there are some things that are meant to be funny.
1: Oh, for sure. But
0: the laughing audience started to feel very raucous to me and actually an evidence of what the play was trying to point out. Natalie Dormer, for example, comes in at the beginning and complains about a guy on the subway who, like, kind of, like, was rubbing up against her. And it's very, like, bawdy and she makes these jokes and people laugh. And then she keeps on making these little jokes and and commenting pithily on what David Oaks' character is doing. And it starts to not be funny, it's even more pointed, but people kept laughing. Very like, ha 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 thing. And I started being like, I'm actually getting a bit uncomfortable yeah. by how much they're laughing at things that actually are not funny, they're very tragic.
1: Well I think that and was like a, Yeah, I, I'm not sure, I wonder what, it'd be interesting to know what like the directors sort of hoped from that like if they hoped people were going to laugh or not um because it was um it was to me quite jarring like when she was talking about the the being yeah someone got out kind of you know acting inappropriately on the subway because it, a lot of elements like that there were a lot of like sort of references to casual sexism which kind of underlined the themes of the play because it was so casual
0: people just chuckled
1: yeah, at them and people laughing at them kind of almost added to that i mean it's worth noting that this play opened about two weeks ago and the week it opened was the week that all the revelations came out about Harvey Weinstein, which is obviously, you know, turned into this tidal wave of people revealing these terrible sexual assaults that they've been... to Kevin
0: Spacey this week, yeah. Yeah, so... it
1: feels like it's never-ending and it's, you know, it's great that people are able to come out with these stories, Um but the play inevitably has been read in, in the context. It's been coloured
0: by that, yeah. Yeah,
1: Um and I think... Yeah, it was, it was definitely, it's a timely play, I think, for
0: sure. Especially given the fact that I don't agree with a lot of what the reviewers said, that it was, you know, people kind of said, oh, it wasn't doing a good enough job of what it was trying to do, or it was like swinging a miss, or the costume was always picked up on, actually. Yeah. But I was kind of a bit like, people couldn't see this play as what it was. I think it's quite a relatively subtle and nuanced... I mean, if you read it in, I think if you read this play... In your English GCSE or literature a- a level, you, or university, you'd be like, "I see it because all the narrative devices are there, and they played it out really well, I think." But people just couldn't—the reviewers, and I think, couldn't not focus on contextualizing it with the Harvey Weinstein thing and then just the outfit. And I'm like, "Let Natalie Dormer wear what she wants. You can see past of outfit to see her what her performance was like." And I think the audience as well. I think there was a—it was actually, I thought, quite thought-provoking. And you know, there was a moment I saw there was a moment in it where obviously at the end david oakes ends up tied up against this pole Mm. um because you know he's being dominated and you know and at the beginning also like there's a lot of moments where her character is quite like being sub, like suppressed or submitted Mm. against you know she does quite you know quail away a bit and then obviously the character the power balance changes and she's the one who's doing the dominating and then he's up against this pole you know, being like, Dom- yeah, dominate me, or whatever he was saying, tied up. And I was like, I actually feel really uncomfortable. Not in a legitimate way, not in a way that I was insulted by, but the fact that, like, seeing a man in that position of defenselessness, yeah. I was like, this is actually so jarring for me, because as a w- the woman, she was in the outfit, she was running around, she- he shouted at her at one point, and it was very much like, this is very normal for me.
1: Like what you expected to I, see.
0: Almost. I am not. I do. I am not phased by seeing women being harassed or being subjugated because it happens all the time in the media. Mm. It's depicted in shows. Women get raped a lot in shows and that kind of thing. I think about the last person. You know, someone was raped in. You know, same with Jamie Fraser in Outlander being raped. It's so uncomfortable because you're so u- not used to seeing a man that defenseless, and not saying that they can't be defenseless or they can't be raped and that kind of thing. But it's more the fact that like. Seeing that visually on stage. It's not
1: often shown.
0: It was so powerful and so uncomfortable, and it made me realise how uncomfortable I am with seeing men being subjugated because it's just not a thing that you see.
1: Yeah, and I guess it highlights how terrible it is that it somehow becomes okay for women to see women in that position. Um, It was interesting, like the play. Um, to me kind of harked back to a play that I did read when I was at university called Miss Julie by Mm. August Strindberg which Mm -hmm. is the this kind of, it's again it's a two-hander I don't believe it normally is played with an interval and it's a woman uh, who is a sort of gentle woman like you know lady of the house and her servant and their kind of power dynamics and like the, yeah, it's, it's similar in terms of how it like turns it on the head, but it's a play written in the 1800s. Mm. Um, so it's, I guess it's a prevailing theme that's kind of run through a lot of drama of like the past 100 years or so. But yeah, overall, I felt like it was a very powerful piece of theatre. It was not the most subtle thing I've ever seen you know, it,
0: nope, it, not subtle, not really subtle at yeah, all. Yeah, it
1: wasn't it wasn't the best play I've ever seen either. No, but it was thought provoking,
0: fantastic performance, and unusual,
1: and very unusual. And I like being surprised in the theatre. And we
0: and I said, we were we surprised. Both... We came out, we were like, we had no idea it was going to end that yeah, way. And
1: we both see we both see a lot of theatre and watch a lot of movies and read books and mm. stuff. And it, it's nice to be surprised, and it's nice to see something that makes you think and.
0: We're two actors who so I think you couldn't fault them for their performances no. at all.
1: It was very sweet actually at the end they, when they went off together, like arm in arm. I was like, oh, that's oh nice, they're friends. But, like they're friends, yeah. yeah. And it was
0: honestly so. It was like. It was, it was like a Wonder Woman moment for me when I you know when she went over the top, where Natty Dormer stalks to the coffee pot, grabs this fur, throws it on, the lights went to red, and very she was like. Dramatic. She's, she's in like high heeled boots in this outfit, and he's against like, this pole, and she's like. You know, she's like blah blah blah, and then she's doing her very powerful lines, and she's like doing her Natalie Dormer thing of basically like, yelling them in a very like controlled way. And then there's the red light and the thunder, and David Oakes like scream yelling, and it was really powerful. I really enjoyed that. But it was actually an interesting question that came up out of it, which is one thing I think criticism that we can have is: is that play? Could that play have been different had it been written by a woman? Because in the end, that is a play written by a man, yeah, and Natalie Dormer's character is seen through the eyes of a man. And I think you, Natalie Dormer herself, was instrumental, I think, in taking that away and making it her own. Yeah. And someone said, "Oh, you see her, and you see the male gaze." I'm like, "No, you're you're making up the male gaze by only seeing that." But still, it was written by a man. And can we ever escape the fact that no tray can no play tray play can be truly <laughs> feminist if it's written by a man? That was an interesting question that came I think, out of it. I
1: think that is a really interesting question because, you know, I was just thinking about that dramatic ending and how it's quite similar to a lot of classic plays, like plays by Shakespeare. And, you know, you could argue that there are characters in Shakespeare's plays who are, who could be played in a very feminist way. Like someone like Lady Macbeth. Oh, um, yeah. her, I'm not saying, obviously, she has a lot of flaws. She is still her secondary fem- to her. And her
0: femininity is kind of used against her, isn't yeah. it? Yeah.
1: But still, as an actress, that's always sort of listed as a role that a lot of people want to play for that reason. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's not necessarily the case that a man cannot write something with a feminist character. I mean, even to go back to Stranger Things, I mean, it's written by two men, but Eleven is the most, like, great character. So, yeah, but I think it probably would have been a different play had it been written by a woman, Mm. I think. I'm not sure how it would have been different but
0: yeah and that, that was the, that was the criticism that we didn't we uh, well, I personally wouldn't give to it the fact that it was written by a man and she was in this outfit so therefore it just fell flat because it was I think the cat but I think it's because the the actors owned it in such a way that I understood the power dynamics and I could see yeah. them playing out in a way that I was like and I came out of it being like that was a really interesting exercise in showing up I mean, it laid bare power dynamics, didn't it? It laid bare misogyny. Like, he does not come out of it vindicated. He's humiliated yeah. for his misogyny.
1: I also wonder if, like, to return to Natalie Dormer as, as this, like, dominant presence, is that actually, you know, because she, a lot of people in that theatre probably won't see it because of her. Mm. Um, and actually, that meant that from the beginning, in some people's eyes, she was the more interesting character, and mm. she was, and that was not only because of how she was re- it was written or how she played it, but literally because she was more famous. Yeah. So I wonder if that's like an
0: interesting, like another level mean. of power dynamics but, there. Yeah. Overall, enjoyed it. I did say it felt like a. She says, he says. During one of the lines, he, one of the lines that the the character in the play that's written says to the other character is the woman is who are you? And she goes, I am a Greek. And I was actually like, this play does feel very Greek, like the melodrama and the heavy handed morals and um, the thunder and the lightning and Venus. I was like, yeah, I could believe they might play a show like this in like, you know, ancient Greece. I I did enjoy that. It felt very pagan and very like, it was a real enjoyable romp of a show in the end Yeah, and
1: he's got that kind of flawed anti-hero element he's got a fatal flaw his sexism and then he's so he could be a tragic hero like, you could definitely apply a lot of the tropes of like ancient greek theater to that yeah. play
0: i just it did feel very greek and it was it's in the end it is the most unusual play i've seen in a long time
1: yeah no me too for sure
0: well i do um, i feel like all i do is watch hamlet and i'm like i've seen like hamlet about five times now and i'm like dear god no more hamlet please
1: yeah it's, it's very true um so yeah, a nice alternative to Hamlet, to conclude. <laughs> yeah, but essentially, um, if you're going to see it,
0: let us know what you thought of yeah, it. Yeah,
1: please do. And if you if you disagree, like we'd be really interested to hear that because I think it's definitely a contentious topic and some controversial ideas. for. Yeah, yeah, and of course,
0: you can plug. Well, here's the plug, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you can connect with us on Twitter, at RealLLW. We're on there, doing stuff, tweeting about things. Uh, as always, and you can also connect with us on our email, which is loveslabourswatched at gmail dot com, all uh, lowercase. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have anything you want to ask, anything you want to talk about, we're happy to listen. That kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Any recommendations of things um, you want us to cover in the future? Mm. If you live
0: in London and
1: there's. A play you've seen, or something you want us to go and like check out, then let us know. That'd yeah, be great.
0: And of course, as we said, next week we'll be looking at Stranger Things.
1: Yeah, so please let us know your questions about Stranger Things. I mean, oh, that is gonna be uh, that is gonna be how we even gonna begin to discuss that. I mean, like, am I gonna <laughs> basically
0: just yell Mike at Eleven constantly, probably? But on that note, here we are in our free chat section. <laughs> Apparently, the most enjoyable section, according to Francesca's colleague, shout out to you yeah. so <laughs> but you better
1: still be listening
0: <laughs> yeah. but essentially, you know we are two functioning humans who don't just watch plays all the time, so Blan what have you been what have you been enjoying this week?
1: so last week, I mentioned alias Grace mm. um and I said I was just a few pages in um so I've nearly finished it actually been really enjoying it um and the netflix adaptation hits the screens like later this week so i'm hoping to finish it before that comes out yeah um, don't want to have any spoilers um interestingly a friend told me that it ends in a very uh, a very kind of cliffhangery way which is very similar to how the handmaid's tale ends uh, so i'm not really looking forward to that because i don't know it's, it's good for a tv series because it means you have a second series but With not so much for a book yeah um, but yeah it's been really enjoyable it's got this kind of um Postmodernist edge of like, you know, she's a real character. She was a real person, and then they're like imagining her life. And was she a victim? Was she a villain? Was she innocent? It's all her first-person narrative. It's got a kind of slightly gothic element to it as well. I would say because she's supposed to allegedly kill people. So yeah, I'm still. Yeah, well, this is the thing you don't know. and you'll sort of start to feel very sympathetic to her. So I'm still really enjoying that. And I'm very excited to see how that kind of plays out. That's really what I've been reading. I haven't read anything else yet.
0: Um, so yeah, that's been good. How about you? Well, I've been reading? <laughs> well, I have been... Well, after we put down our book club books last week, I was finally able to get back to what I was reading before, which was The Northern Lights. Yeah, you reading
1: it. No, you didn't mention it last oh, time. Oh, good.
0: Yeah. I was like, wait, wait. Um, so I'm reading The Northern Lights. I am basically 10 pages before the end now. And essentially I did it because The Book of Dust came out yeah, about yeah. two weeks ago now. And it was a big deal. And I love Philip Pullman. I think he is the best world builder and children's author. Mm. Auth- I mean, one of the best authors out there. His his skill in world building is matched in his skill in character writing. And it's matched by his skill in writing in the first place. Like, he's amazing. But I never have not read the Northern, like, the Dark Materials series in donkey's years. Uh, my copies are from, like, 1998. So they're super well-thumbed. Yeah. And I've... It's like returning to my childhood, it's great because I their books are good enough to read as an adult, like definitely adult books. But ret- it's just returning to that like joy of reading a world that I used to really really care about. Yeah. Like when I was 14 15, I used to write fan fiction about The of the Lights, about Lara and Will, of course. See, the about me listeners, uh, I don't I cannot fully care about anything unless there's a couple in it. I just can't, I fully can't, like it's just beyond me. Um, so I can love something but I need to have like a main couple to love or I just can't fully adore it so that's kind of why The Northern Lights stood out to me particularly but equally I love the world and the storyline so I've been reading that and I've been really enjoying myself and I also really enjoy being on the tube and thinking people looking at me being like I like somebody who reads children's books and doesn't care well,
1: yeah I mean it's interesting because actually I was on the tube today and the girl opposite me was reading The Book of Dust mm. Um, a really beautiful like looking book oh my god they, um, no,
0: they've gone all out with the money making on yeah, this one yeah
1: but so I um, I also haven't read um, the His Dark Materials series for like a really Really, really long time. Yeah. Um. So I'm like, I really think I need to reread it before I read the book. Oh, Darkest. that. Yes, that's why yeah. I did it. Obviously, to get, to get through, to get through yeah. the three first. Um, because it's been so long. So I'm quite excited to do that. Definitely. Maybe. I'll, maybe I'll, that's what I'll do after
0: Alias yeah. Grace. Because you know,
1: when you have like a kind of. I feel like the past kind of few books I read I've had something afterwards that I've like I'm definitely gonna read that next. And mm. I don't think I have that just now. Uh, so. so
0: for me I've got this one and then the subtle knife I just picked up a second hand copy from Amazon because I don't know where mine's gone. I may have taken it out from the library, I don't know, it was maybe yeah. ten you know, maybe. so long ago. I think I'd read them about ten years ago when I first started. So I have the Alabama spyglass though. And I had to get the nineteen ninety eight copy from Amazon because the covers of the ones that are being published now I just don't enjoy yeah. at all. And I'm the I'm, I'm in pub, I want to be in publishing like I care about these things. You don't have to care about them, but so I'm going to read that. And it's not very long. It's actually like it's like this thick. It's really not that thick. Mm. I, I'm, I'm an inch between my fingers. <laughs> so I'm probably going to read the Lemon Chronicles after that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm very excited to read those as well. Yeah, our, our friend centres um I kind of had a quick thumb through
0: and I tend to play off books anyway like I read one book one day and another one one, yeah
1: and it's like it's nice to balance it out I think um you know we always say this if you read something that's more like I don't know more of a sort of interior monologue serious type book which is what I'm reading at the moment although it's very readable it's not like heavy going particularly Mm. um it'd be quite nice to read something totally different next yeah and
0: around Christmas I always want to be a bit like popped up uh what about uh what about the I the viewing with your eyes the TV, <laughs> tv and films
1: well so obviously stranger things has like dominated my life the, since it came out on saturday
0: um, man and man not very long ago i know it's not even
1: that long ago um so i can't say that there's anything else that really i've been watching huge on tv like the th- the two things i'm watching at the moment i already mentioned like the good place and the crazy ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. um really been enjoying crazy ex-girlfriend since it came back 100% recommend <laughs> um in terms of movies i'm Really excited, we were talking about this. Um, so
0: Helen and I went to see the film God's Own Country. Um, oh, my summer. <laughs> yeah, was <Helena's laughs> like hated the movie. No, it's, um, yeah, it's it's I think she she said it was a boring version of Brokeback Mountain, which so makes me think that my she, I don't think she really got it in well, the end. So, whereas it's very it's quite slow film, We it?
1: really really enjoyed it. Oh my it. Like god, it. I loved so, it's it. It's such a beautiful film and um a few reviewers have compared it to this new movie which i think has been a lot more buzzed about in terms of oscars um called what was it call me by your name i think yeah. it's, i
0: think it's a bit more american a bit more hollywoodized yeah, it, isn't it, it is. and, and it's it's army
1: hammer army hammer and Oh, I don't know how to newcomer. say it. Newcomer. Newcomer, young actor, yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I
0: don't remember your name. Well, I think, well you remember, I've I just I remember,
1: I'm just like, I don't want to say it. I think it's like <laughs> Timothy Chamolet or something like that, but I'm like, sure. probably saying it wrong. So apparently he's also in a new movie that I really want to see called Lady Bird with Sir oh, Ronan. okay. And actually, I should take this detour to mention that in terms of other movies I've seen recently, I actually saw a lot of films about a few a few weeks ago because I was reviewing the London Film Festival. Yeah,
0: classic Pot of Fland's job. Oh, yeah, I love so, it.
1: Um, For that, I got to see On Chesil Beach, which is the adaptation of um, the Ian McEwan novella from 2007. Oh, yeah, I heard that. And Saoirse Ronan was in it. She's just so amazing. I loved her in Brooklyn. I loved
0: her in uh, Atonement, too. Well,
1: exactly. So I've loved her since Atonement. she 's the same age as Helena and I, and I just think like I wish I was that good at acting i 'm not good at acting at all obviously, so but anyway um, it 's really interesting because in on Chesel Beach she it 's set in a similar time to Brooklyn you know out yeah. of the mid century film okay. her character is so drastically different, like she even looks different, and the way she looks different is nothing to do with her physical appearance it 's all just her facial expression she 's wow. so talented. But she's also in a new film coming out called Lady Bird, mm. which is a sort of American high school coming-of-age type story. Oh, cool. Which she's, has been really buzzed about. And this actor, Timothy Chamolet, again, probably saying his name wrong, is apparently in there with her. So I think he's like a very like oh, up, up-and-coming actor, yeah. So, but yes, Call Me By Your Name. I think we both want to see that. We've heard a lot about it. Well, so. we're going to have to
0: go and, yeah. Also, Francesca's not a good actress. She made a kid cry as the ice cream. Is that what happened to you? Oh. <laughs>
1: Um yeah, I did. I played the I don't remember making anyone cry. Um probably though. I mean like <laughs> <laughs> I was scary. She was the ice queen. In the Narnia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the line you had to say? Um oh what was it?
0: You're a handsome boy? No. Uh
1: well I was very intimidating when I was intimidating Edmund. Oh yeah. Yeah. So um
0: <laughs> Um Sorry, we're back. Um <laughs> Essentially Francesca is a wonderful actress. Sorry. Yeah. But um no, actually, I talking films, I really want to see... I'm going to see Thor on Friday.
1: Well, yeah, which has been really well-reviewed. I like, think a comedy.
0: the director yeah. did a really good job with it. And essentially what they've done is what they do with every superhero film, is when they start off Origins, they have a middle film, which is like them just, you know, doing their thing. They have another middle film that starts not doing very well, and then they take away all their powers and see what happens. Iron Man 3 his suit got taken away and he had to basically just work with his wits. In Thor, I'm pretty sure his hammer gets taken away and then he has to work with his wits as well. And um, I think essentially it's going to be nice because it's going to be a bit of a departure from the superhero genre because it got really hackneyed over the last two or three years. Yeah. Um, because it just, everyone was doing superhero films. And then they started doing films, you know those like slowed down action sequences with rock music over it? Oh yeah! Like well, they're in every film, every superhero now. It's film the thing, isn't To
1: have like an '80s vibe, after room, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. Big into the '80s vibe, but I do think it can be a bit overdone. Yeah.
0: So I think it'll, I, I'm definitely going to enjoy that, and I really want to see the death of Stalin as well. It just looks so comedic and farcical, and I obviously do history, and I like I, I love Russian history. I speak a bit of russian so overall it's gonna be pretty hilarious i think yeah and i think it's gonna be comedically like good comedy like intelligent comedy
1: it's only yeah i, I remember when we saw the trailer It i feel like i watched the trailer with you because you just like laughed hysterically
0: all the way through it <laughs> i was like oh i feel like she's gonna enjoy yeah i time. think it's, I, it, it's it might be stupid jokes but it's gonna be like intelligent super jokes like purposeful also jason isaacs is in it again um lovely man from the guy he's playing um the
1: captain in Star Trek. He's the
0: captain in Star Trek, Captain Walker. Yes, he is. Yeah, so. but you have
1: to let me know what you think of Thor. Yeah, because um, I was listening to the new state, the New Statesman's podcast, seriously, which I really like. Yeah. Um, and they were saying how it was really good, and they, and they weren't normally into
0: superhero films, but it was really yeah. funny. I think the director, who I can't remember. Oh, he did Flight of the Conchords. Yeah, he's. And, I think. I think. Yeah. He to, I think he. He took a really great start to it. So I mean, yeah. Anything other bits of news that have popped up in your life in the last week that you want to talk about? Anything, or anything you found amusing? No, I don't think so. I can't, right. think, I I can't think of anything. I work in literally like, you know, a news processing job and I can't think of anything that was amusing to me. Aside from, well, the sexual allegation stuff is not amusing in any way, but it's certainly something to follow. So we're really you know, something to keep an eye on because it's intriguing what's going to happen, especially when it's going into the halls of government and legislation and how that's going to affect stuff. I have a lot of conversations with my colleagues about this kind of thing. Because everyone is talking about it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But yeah, I think we're I think we're good for time, aren't we?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, well, tune in next week for some discussion on Stranger Things. Um, given that we've already seen it, it um, that stopped dominating our lives, perhaps we probably would have have some other pop culture nuggets Mike to share Ellen! with you. Sorry, she's obsessed. I'm fully obsessed.
0: Sorry, everybody. But until then, thank you for listening to us talking again about things. Yeah. Um, we're enjoying it are you enjoying it? I'm enjoying it yeah
1: definitely and I hope you're enjoying it too we really would love to hear your feedback so please don't hesitate to get in touch yeah
0: you can connect with us I'm not going to say it again it's going to be in the description so you'll be able to see how to get in touch with us and equally we'll be back next week yeah so bye guys alright bye <laughs>